crypto is crashing again. Does that mean big law is running away screaming? Not at all. On today's episode, we talk about the law firms that are all too happy to serve the wild and crazy world of cryptocurrency. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So one of the dirty little secrets of the legal profession is that sometimes having a client that gets sued a lot can actually be good for business. Attorneys who work in the crypto world probably wouldn't admit that, at least not on the record. But it's undeniable that crypto enthusiasts are giving their attorneys a lot of billable hours right now. And as we'll hear in a bit, that's mainly because this is a mostly unregulated and famously volatile financial space. Take the most famous cryptocurrency of all, Bitcoin. In March of last year, it was north of $50,000. By that summer, it went down to around $31,000, then climbed all the way back up to $60,000 around Thanksgiving. And as of the start of this week, it is now sitting below $30,000. There's also the issue of a filing last week by the crypto exchange Coinbase, which said that if, if it goes under, the crypto it holds for its clients may get swept up in the bankruptcy proceedings. That would, of course, result in a ton of litigation, and there are a ton of attorneys who would be thrilled to handle it all. Bloomberg Law's Sam Skolnick wrote about the firms who are diving headfirst into the crypto world and about why the latest crypto crash isn't shaking their confidence. Yeah, so it really does appear that more and more of the top 50, top 100 uh, law firms uh, by revenue are entering this space because they see a good chance for long-term success uh, on behalf of their clients, but also for profits for the firms. Um, They include Latham & Watkins, which is a top five firm, um, uh, one of these uh, massive global law firms. And what I had a lawyer there tell me, who's one of the heads of the crypto practice over there, was that uh, just as one example, last year in calendar year 2021, more than 700 lawyers at Latham uh, worked on either uh, uh, cryptocurrency or blockchain issues just in that year. Wow. And lots of other firms are involved, including the more tech forward the firm, the more likely that they're going to be involved. Sure. So, for example, there are two Seattle firms or Seattle founded or based firms, uh, Perkins Coie and K&L Gates, uh, both of which are very highly active in the space. And I spoke with a couple lawyers from each of those firms as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like based on your story that there's a lot of litigation happening in this space. And the reason for that is because it's pretty unregulated. Uh, Or I should say it's unregulated for now, but new regulations are kind of trickling out and that's creating avenues for litigation. Can you talk a little bit about that and about this Morrison Cohen crypto litigation tracker? I thought that was a really interesting data point. Yeah, for sure. So it turns out, um, and this was new to me as well, that there are a few uh, different um, either consultancies or law firms that keep track uh, kind of on a a semi-formal, informal basis. And so they keep track of this uh, litigation as well as regulations that have cropped up over the last several years. Um, And one of them, as you mentioned, is the Morrison-Cohen Cryptocurrency and Regulation Tracker. Um, Morrison-Cohen is a mid-sized firm based in New York. Um, with a well-known, apparently, and well-regarded crypto practice group. And what their reports have shown is that uh, the numbers have just grown by leaps and bounds um, over the last uh, several years, over the last four or five years specifically. Um, They used to only track when they first started tracking in about 
2018, they only had a handful of cases, about 10 cases. Now they're looking at about 400, um, half of which are private and class action suits that have stemmed, that have come basically in reaction to a lot to some of these new regulations that have cropped up that have targeted individual companies. And the other thing that you mentioned is that, you know, we're starting to see some big law attorneys get poached by their own clients. And what I mean by that is, you know, the demand for attorneys who understand crypto is so high that, you know, some of these people who are in the crypto space are saying, hey, I, you know, really like the way you represented me. Do you want to come work for me instead of this firm? How common is that? Uh, It's increasingly common, much to the chagrin of uh, many of these uh, law firm crypto leaders um, who are losing some valued folks. And that includes um, bright young associates um, who they really anticipated were going to have long-term, decades-long careers at the firm. Um, But what they see is that um, a chance to lead their own operation as opposed to being sort of a mid-level cog at a much bigger machine like a law firm. Uh, and so to be general counsel for one of these young companies, I think it's, as you know, you'd noted, kind of there is this Wild West ad- atmosphere that really sort of kind of permeates, fair or unfair, a lot of these crypto uh, companies. And what that means, though, is that maybe the gold rush also was associated with the Wild West. Well, when you look at it, um, a lot of these folks make the move for the same reason that other folks got into crypto in the first place, which is the potential for a big payday. They see that a lot of these companies, frankly, almost all of them, especially the startups, they're all private. But when they go public, and as general counsels often get a deal that allows them to, for, to gain a lot of stock shares, uh, it not only allows them to run their own internal legal operation, but potentially strike it rich while doing so. That makes a lot of sense. And if you're weighing, you know, do I want to be on the partner track and, you know, potentially get to equity partner at some point in my career versus I can be the general counsel of a, you know, exponentially growing company now, that's a, uh, you know, that's not a difficult choice. Unless, of course, the uh, company that you're the general counsel for goes bankrupt. Yes. Um, And that's, I think, one of the things that we might be seeing right now, crypto is crashing. It has before, of course, but it is definitely crashing now. I would have thought that a lot of big law firms and people in big law would be, you know, running for the exits, but that's not the case at all. And that's one of the most surprising things about your story. Why is big law still really into crypto? So they view it as a long-term play, as investors would put it, as Warren Buffett and others suggest, you know, buy and hold, right? They're looking to hold on tight. And to be sure, there are a lot of upset upset stomachs, right, (laughs) a lot of these uh, law firm partners and obviously their clients even more so. Sure. As they look at the numbers going down, down, down um, with lots of individual currencies and um, some other gauges of the industry that are, are looking fairly dramatic negative results. But that said, one of the first stories that I ever did in this space was when I first got onto this beat here at Bloomberg Law back in like 2018. And in 18, um, that was when there was this crypto bubble and it crashed then. And I think my story came out, it was like early 2019 and I was looking at, well, look, this bubble just burst. Are you law firm practice groups? Are you still high on the space? And even back then, they, you know, at least more of the true believers. And by the way, I've had, amazingly, I've had some of these law firm 
folks talk to me as though I mean they're they're really zealous about this. Sure. And it really seeps into the way they view it personally. I mean they view it some of them the way that they're talking to me it's almost as much of a mission as it is sort of a way to earn a living. I've gotten the, the sense of that too just anecdotally that uh, I you know when you meet people who are into bitcoin it's not like they're casually into bitcoin you're either not into it at all or it's like your your religion. <laughs> So right, it, it sounds right. like that's the way it is at some law firms, too. Yeah. And uh, so I think, you know, when you fast forward, it's the same dynamic that's happening now that it happened in early 2019. They had to take stock. Um, and frankly, look, when I could, this latest downturn happened literally as I was reporting this earlier story about yeah. changes among big law firm crypto groups. So we didn't even initially know that there was going to be this massive downturn. So I think they're still digesting the news, but my strong sense of it is, and I have talked to some since then, just in the last few business days, they're on board. They're not going anywhere. Um, and here's the there's another reason, David, which is kind of interesting to me. It might sound a little bit self-serving, but look, they're in this law firm's they're, uh, you know, they need to earn a living. They need to make sure that they have clients that are able to pay the bills. And I've had a couple of these lawyers say specifically, look, it's a lot easier to re- represent a number of crypto companies now than it was three, four, five, six years ago because so many fewer of them now, more of them now are larger, better financed or keep getting investments from venture capital and private equity. So they're able to pay the bills. Back then, it was more of a risky bet. Yeah, that's fascinating. Finally, I wanted to ask you about where we're headed. Um, I mean, this is obviously speculative here, but do you think that at some point, every big law firm, or at least every big law firm that works in the financial space, financial transactions, do you think they'll have to become fluent in crypto, that they'll have to have at least a team of of lawyers who understand crypto, or do you think that it'll still just be sort of a niche part of big law? So I think part of that uh, depends on a question that I've been asking uh, many of these crypto practice group leaders that, that currently do exist at firms that have these practices up and running. And uh, what I'm asking them is about their firm's managing partners or about if you are a managing partner at uh, another firm that maybe doesn't have a strong practice or is looking to enter it for the first time, but maybe has been reluctant because some of these ups and downs, um, you know, what? how would you go about this? And um, I, I got some pretty interesting answers. Um, I don't want to divulge too much of my result in a separate story, but basically to your question, I think that it's more likely that firms, if they see a consistent long-term payday for them and an ability to practice interesting law, where they have a number of different types of law, by the way, which we haven't even gotten into, um, but they're doing everything from patent and IP matters to litigation to business formation to business dissolution work when companies are going under bankruptcies and the saddest, sure. worst cases, but some of which may well result right now yeah. or over oh, the yeah. next several weeks and months because oh, yeah. of this downturn. Um, But yet all of this presents different types of business opportunities for big firms. So it it really makes sense to consider this as a long-term play for most of them and many more. That's interesting. So it's it's the idea that working on crypto is like working on a whole ecosystem. You can attract all different kinds of lawyers and work on all kinds of different law. That's right. And and, and in fact, that goes to another uh, good point. I'm glad you raised it. 
these practice groups, some of them are actually held in a little more of an informal status within the firm because uh, they're interdisciplinary. They had they need lawyers from all of these other existing practice groups, um, some of which I, I just mentioned, these different types of law. Um, and, uh, and, and they have these weekly or monthly calls that they do to, to generate new business, to figure out where it should go, um, and to check the status of individual matters, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, no matter how it's structured, it does appear to be something that big law is not going to be uh, ditching anytime soon. All right. Well, that was Sam Skolnick talking about big law and crypto. Sam, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thanks very much for having me, David. Appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Andrew Satter. And our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at BLaw. I'm at David B. Schultz. That's B as in, what else? Bitcoin. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Those nine justices in Washington, they can be pretty hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. So check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.